Welcome to New Life Assembly of God Media Ministry. We are glad that you are here. We believe the Word of God is relevant and life-changing, and we hope you can be blessed by this message. Amen. Tonight's message is titled, Integrity in the Fire. You know, it's been said that everyone has his or her price. That's to say everyone has a price at which they are willing to compromise their beliefs and integrity. I read the story about a pastor. I assume it was fictitious. A pastor was asked by the devil, would you cheat on your wife for a thousand bucks? The pastor said, of course not. The devil came back again and said, how about $2,000? The pastor said, no way. The conversation kept going until the devil reached a figure which caused the pastor to tremble and say, be gone, Satan, you're getting much too close to my price. <laughs> In the early 90s, an alarming book was published titled The Day America Told the Truth. The authors were James Patterson and Peter Kim, and they revealed the tumultuous changes that have taken place in American morals, values, and beliefs in the latter part of the 20th century. And it was based on the pre premise or the question that was formed the premise was, do Americans have a price? Will they give up their morals or their values for a price? And so they did a phone survey uh, of, of thousands of Americans, and they asked the question, what would you do for $10 million? And sure enough, money talked to people all across the country. For $10 million, one in four people interviewed said they would abandon all of their friends and even leave their church. About as many said that for uh, $10 million, they would be willing to turn to prostitution for a week. Some would go so much further that they were willing to commit murder, change their race, or have a sex change operation for $10 million. In fact, 7% of people say that they would murder someone for money. Maybe you're thinking of someone right now. They said they would murder someone for money. And, and whether they'd actually pull the trigger if it came down to it, that's, that's up to question. But 36 million people, listen to this, 36 million people would be willing to consider the offer of $10 million to kill somebody. Wow, that could be your coworker, could be your friend, <laughs> amen. But they did a follow-up telephone survey to the $10 million question, and the results remained pretty much the same at $5 million, at $4 million, and at $3 million. But under $2 million is where we began to see a fall-off in what people were willing to do for money. So apparently, our price in America to compromise our morals and our values is about $2 million. Amen? It's amazing what people will do for money. So what's your price? Do you have one? Would you sell your integrity, your faith, your morals, your beliefs? Judas sold Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver. Esau gave up his blessing and his birthright for a cup of soup 
when he was hungry. And Demas forsook Paul and forsook the Lord. And they are among others that are recorded in scriptures who had a price and sold out. On the other hand, scripture also records examples of men and women who refused to compromise no matter what. They could not be bought. These were people of faith who settled the issue of faithfulness long before they could ever be bought. As a result, when temptation came, they were victorious over it. Our story tonight involves Daniel's three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who teach us the value of integrity. And integrity is basically, you know what? You're going to do the same thing in every situation, no matter who is watching. You're going to do the right thing. You're going to do the right thing in private. You're going to do the right thing in public. You're going to do the right thing in good times. And you're going to do the right thing even when the pressure is on. That's integrity. But the Babylonian king Nebuchadnezzar, you might remember the story, he erected a big 90-foot tall statue of himself. And he sent a message to all of the leaders throughout his kingdom at every level to gather all of the people together before the statue and that when a certain music played, everybody was to bow down to the ground and worship King Nebuchadnezzar's statue. Anyone who refused to bow down and worship his image would be thrown into a blazing, fiery furnace. So the day came, everybody gathered, and everybody complied except for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And when Nebuchadnezzar found out that they refused to bow down and worship his statue, he was enraged, and he commanded that they be brought before him. And we pick up the story in Daniel chapter 3, verses 14 through 18. Nebuchadnezzar said to them, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or to worship the golden statue that I have set up? I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I have made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. And then, what God will be able to rescue you from my power? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have set up. These three men stood unwavering in their commitment to God, even if it cost them their life, when it would have been so much easier to rationalize, hey, we can just bow down this once and we can pretend to worship. No one will ever know. No, they refused to compromise. And there's such a powerful example 
of what it means to stand in integrity. Integrity begins with a conscious decision in the little things. Folks, the Bible says that if you can't be faithful in the little things, you won't be faithful in the big things. You know, even as a pastor, to hold my credentials with the Assemblies of God, I have to send 70% of my tithe to the district. Why is that? Well, first of all, our district needs funds as well to operate, but most of all, they understand that as a spiritual leader, if we cannot be faithful in the tithe, how can we be faithful to be trusted with the ministry of a church or a congregation? Are you following me? If we can't be trusted in the little things, how can we be trusted with the big things to be faithful? Amen? So what we need to understand, little things make or break us. And we go all the way back to Daniel chapter 1, verse 8, when Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were first carried as exiles into Babylon. And it says that Daniel was determined to not defile himself with the king's food. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stood united in that commitment, and they refused the king's table as well, and they ate pure vegetables with Daniel for those 10 days. And when the, uh, the, the king's uh, administrator came, he saw that they excelled in health and they excelled uh, in intellect and in every area they excelled above those that were eating the king's table. That's a, a wonderful plug for eating a plant-based vegan diet. Amen. They excelled in health. They excelled in intellect. Hallelujah. That's an extra sermon for an extra time. No extra charge. Amen. But someone has said, if you cross the line with your values, whether you cross it by an inch or a mile, you are still out of bounds. You're still out of bounds. So if you cross the line with your values, with your commitment to God, with your morals, even if it's just a little bit, you're still out of bounds. You're still out of God's will. Amen? So you've got to make that commitment in small things. Integrity is also a habit that is developed by doing the right thing all the time, day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. If you consistently do what is right in the little things, you're less likely to wander off course morally or ethically in the big things. Amen? As one said, private victories lead to public victories. Refusing to eat the king's food privately enabled Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to refuse to bow down before the king's idol publicly. Because they made a commitment in the small things, they were able to stand faithful in the big things. Ronald Wallace writes, faithful and loyal behavior sustained in a series of quiet decisions on less important matters can come to glorious fruition in a spectacular witness to God in the hour of the most severe and open or public trial. We need to develop the habit of doing what is right day in, day out, even in the small things, even in the things nobody sees, because that will enable us to stand for God when it matters to bring glory to his name. Second principle that we see, integrity will be challenged. You see, integrity requires not doing what everybody else does. It requires you oftentimes to stand alone, to even stand 
in opposition or conflict with what everybody else is doing. God calls everybody, and, or excuse me, Nebuchadnezzar called everybody and anybody to come to the dedication of his statue. Everybody, from the lowest person to the highest dignitary. It would be like inviting the senators, congressmen, governors, mayors. Today we might include holiday star, uh, Hollywood stars and celebrities and, and sports icons. Everybody was commanded to come. And to help win enthusiasm, he ordered music to be played. I preached a whole sermon on this passage once about, about the power of music to cause us to bow down to the gods of this world. Because when you listen to music that is not glorifying to God, it is programming a message into your mind. Because music can penetrate our mind and our heart much quicker than the spoken word or anything that we read. Have you ever heard a song, something that you might not even listen to, but hours later you find yourself singing it? Because it has penetrated. And music has a powerful influence when it is not godly to influence us to bow down to the belief systems, to the values, to the morals, to the gods of this world. So this is an extra sermon for you tonight. Be very careful what you listen to because it is infiltrating your mind and your heart. Maybe I'll preach that sermon again one day. But anyway, uh, the king also adds a further incentive. If you don't bow down to my image, I'm going to throw you in the fiery furnace. Talk about pressure to conform. If you were that, there that day with the pressure of everybody else doing it and the threat of the fiery furnace, what would you have done? Would you have been able to stand? Verse 7 says that when the music played, listen to this, all the people, whatever their race or nation or language, bowed and worshiped the golden statue. There's a, a spiritual principle for us here. Just because everybody else is doing it does not make it right. Come on now, folks. Just because everybody else bows and accepts and practices something does not make it right. Just because society says something is right does not make it right if God said it's wrong. Come on now. Amen? Jesus made it clear that the way that leads to life is narrow and hard, and few there be that find it. But the highway to hell is broad and easy, and many will choose that way. So you know what? That day was a choice between the narrow way and the broad way. And guess what? Virtually everybody there chose the wide and easy path to destruction by bowing down to Nebuchadnezzar's statue. Only three men chose the narrow way to life. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were the few on the narrow road that leads to life. We need to remember that these three men were ordinary, everyday people, just like you and I, but they made the hard choice to remain faithful to God. The line was clearly drawn in the sand. What does a true believer do when confronted with such a choice? 
To bow down would be to compromise your faith and commitment to God, and to not bow down would mean almost certain death. The demand was clear. The cost was high. So what would their decision be? Another principle we see here, what's wrong in God's sight is wrong, even if everybody else says it's right. These three young men knew that God's law said that they were not to worship any other God beside him and that they were not bow, to bow down to any idol or image. God said it. It's in his word. But everybody else was doing it. Probably even some fellow Hebrews or Israelites. Why do I know that? Because verse 7 said people of all nations races and languages and remember a lot of hebrew people had been carried captive into babylon and everybody there is bowing down people of all nations but there's a powerful truth here just because other churches accept it or are doing it or other people in church are doing certain things don't doesn't make it right I was shocked this week by seeing someone that is a quote-unquote Facebook friend that I know is in a blatantly ungodly lifestyle. And um, they were invited to preach at a Presbyterian church here in Fort Lauderdale that apparently embraces that type of lifestyle. And it just grieved my heart so heavily. But I want you to know that um, this inclusive type of theology is infiltrating the church in a rapid way. Several major denominations have already embraced this ungodly lifestyle. I know, I think up until last year, the Methodist Church at their annual minister's conference was just at 50 to 50% 50 to 50% as to whether they were going to accept it or not. And the Lutherans have accepted it, Presbyterians have accepted it, and it's just going, you know, like dominoes, knocking down, departing from the truth of God's word. Because, folks, God's word is very clear on that issue. But they are departing from God's word because society said it's right. Because people say it's right. Because government says it's right. But as long as God says it's wrong, it's still wrong. So the test that we must ask is what, what does God's word say? You know, recently I had to face this issue with a family member that I have been close to that came out. And I lovingly but firmly made my stance known and told them I will always love you we'll always be family but I can never accept that lifestyle and of course you know there's been some strife in the situation that they're uh, upset with me and want to try to make me compromise my views but folks God's word says it's wrong and as much as I love this family member even if it costs me that relationship I must stand on what God's word says. Amen? No matter what the cost, we can do it lovingly, we can do it graciously, but we must stand. Amen? We must stand on God's word. You know, many of the lower-ranking Babylonian court officials 
already resented Daniel and his friends because they were receiving some of the choicest government positions because God's hand of blessing was upon them and, 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 and uh, King Nebuchadnezzar saw the blessing of God, so he was promoting them. Now they had even more reason to hate them and to speak out against them because these three, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, refused to bow down uh, to this idol. And, and, and they would not bow to any other god except the God of Israel. And so they became angry and were looking for vengeance. But folks, I want you to understand something. Whatever we bow down to will eventually own our soul. We must only bow down to God. Amen. And doing what is right, even when it is not popular, will cost you. The righteous convictions of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego provided their opponents, jealous co-workers, with an opportunity to accuse them of treason. So these co-workers or, or, or fellow uh, uh, government leaders, they reported them to the king. And they, they phrased their remarks in such a way to, to stroke Nebuchadnezzar's ego and to work him up to the highest degree of anger that they could. So furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar brings the three young men before them and offers them one last chance to change their mind and bow down. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't have to give it a second thought. And they didn't have to try to defend themselves for making that decision. They simply stated their commitment, their commitment to God and their refusal to bow. And there are times in life when you do not want to debate with the devil and you don't want to debate with others the pros and cons of the stand that you have taken because if you do, it will likely either lead to an argument or they may persuade you to choose the wrong side. There are times when you have to respond the right way and do the right thing instantly or you will probably fail the test. Someone has said the most important decision you ever make is the decision you make before you ever make a decision. That's called conviction. We make a decision at the level of our convictions that says, I will not do this, I will not accept that. You make it at the level of your convictions so that when you're presented with the circumstance, the decision that you've already made before the circumstance arose, overrides so that you can make the right decision in the moment. Are you following me? That's why we have to determine these things in advance. Amen? There are three things that will enable us to stand in integrity despite the pressure to compromise. The th these are the same three things that gave Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego the strength to stand firm in this great test of their commitment and faithfulness. The first thing is that they knew God. Nothing is clearer in their response to King Nebuchadnezzar than this truth. They knew the God that they served. Amen. Verse 17, it says, if we were thrown into the blazing furnace, then the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. 
folks, to have that kind of confidence in the God that you serve, you got to have a relationship with him, amen? you got to know him personally to be able to stand with that degree of faith. They knew a God who created the universe out of nothing. They knew a God who parted the waters of the Red Sea and enabled his people to walk over on dry ground and then closed it in behind them to swallow the Egyptian army. They knew this God. And any God who can do that will have no problem putting out Nebuchadnezzar's fire. Amen? In Mark 10, 27, it says, With men it is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Say that over whatever circumstance you're facing right now that just looks hopeless. And say it, with men it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Say that with me. With God, all things are possible. Hallelujah. They believed in a God who could do the impossible. Even as in the previous chapter, they, they were under a death sentence when none of the wise men of the land, none of the magi of the land could tell the king his dream and interpret it. He wanted all of them to be killed, including Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But remember, Daniel asked for an extension of time and he called his friends to pray. And what happened? God intervened. And God revealed the dream and God gave him the interpretation. Now, the, uh, Nebuchadnezzar's advisors, Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar's wise men, Nebuchadnezzar's enchanters had all said, King, what you're asking is impossible. Only the gods can do that, and they're not here among us. So they even called it impossible. But you know what? God did what was thought impossible. He revealed the dream to Daniel and the interpretation thereof. So they knew that God was a God who would do the impossible on their behalf. But they also knew that whatever happened to their bodies was not really important just as long as their souls remained faithful to the Lord. This is the kind of faith that causes angels to rejoice and blesses the very heart of God. It's a faith that says, Lord, I am fully persuaded that you are able to deliver me, but even if you don't, I'll still serve you. I'm not going to turn my back. I'm not going to abandon my faith. I will remain faithful and true. That's such an important principle today because, you know, especially over the last several months, I've had various conversations with people in the, in the community that I've met on different occasions. And, and so many of them, you know, well, God didn't do this for me. So I don't believe in God. Have you ever had a conversation like that with somebody? You know what? God doesn't always jump to our request, especially if you're not living the lifestyle. I was in a conversation with several ladies the other day that I met through a friend, and they're not, well, they think they're Christian. What, what they have is a Christian belief system coming back from, I guess, their childhood. But they're not really living for God because you can hear it in their conversation. You can hear it in the lifestyle that they live. And yet, they're questioning, oh, I don't know why God doesn't answer my prayers. And then they're like, Pastor, you pray for me, because they, they, I was introduced to them as a pastor. And I'm thinking to myself, I didn't want to say it because it was the first time meeting them, but I'm thinking to, them, to myself, I can pray for you till I'm blue in the face, but if you don't change your life, you know. But anyway, um, but you know, that people are quick to get mad at God when he doesn't do what they expect him to do. 
But we've got to have the kind of faith that says, God, I know that you can do the impossible. I know, Lord God, that it is your desire and your will to deliver me and heal me. But even if you don't, I'm still going to trust and serve you because your ways are higher than my ways and my life is in your hands. As Job said, though you slay me, still I will trust you. Job didn't understand why he was going through all that he was going through, but he was saying, you know what, God, despite what I go through, I'm still going to trust you. Even if you don't deliver me from, I'm still going to trust you. This is what brings Christ into our crisis. The full confidence that he's able to rescue and deliver us out of any situation. It's a confidence that no matter what comes, we are in his hands. And I'm sure you can see why this is important. It's important because it is possible to believe in God and know from scripture what God requires and yet fail to do the right thing because you're unwilling to pay the price. But if you will do the right thing, then you can have that kind of confidence in God. Third principle, integrity brings a reward. God doesn't promise to keep it out of fiery furnaces, but he does promise to be with us in them. He says, though you walk through the fire, I shall be with you. And you'll come out without even the smell of smoke. Amen. He didn't say you won't walk through the fire. He said, when you walk through the fire, I will be with you. Amen. So God didn't keep Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego out of the fiery furnace because they had lived faithfully before God. Perhaps the words of the prophet when he said, when you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched, nor will the flame burn you. Maybe that was sticking in their mind. But the Lord sovereignly and graciously rewarded the unwavering faith and commitment of these three men by miraculously coming to their aid. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into the furnace, and it was heated seven times hotter than its normal temperature, so that even the guards who tied them up and threw them in were struck dead and killed by the heat. They didn't even get in the fire. They just stood outside the fire, and they were struck dead by the heat. The king was shocked by what happened next in verses 24 through 25. It says, but suddenly Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did, they replied. Look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men unbound walking around in the fire unharmed and the fourth looks like a god. Hallelujah. They were unbound. They were thrown in, tied up, but then they were unbound. Folks, God can give you freedom even in the midst of the harshest of circumstances. Amen? Because he will be with you. And the fourth person was the son of God. And this is a vivid portrayal of the fact that God goes with his people in their trouble. He comes to comfort. He comes to help. He comes to deliver. He comes to rescue because he loves us amen the lord of glory committed himself to them in the hour of crisis because they were fully committed to him because they were fully committed to him second chronicles 16 9 says for the eyes of the lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him who does god show himself strong on behalf of anybody and everybody no to those whose heart is loyal to him. 
So even though God didn't keep Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from the fire, he did keep the fire from them. He protected them because they were loyal to him. You know, someone has said you can't have a testimony without enduring a test. And folks, it's when we go through the fire and God protects us in the fire and eventually brings us out of the fire that we have a testimony to give glory and honor to his name. And that brings us to our final point. Integrity brings glory to God. When we live lives of integrity, many who don't know God will be faced with who he is as we live our lives before him. The testimony of these three men prompted King Nebuchadnezzar to give credit to God. He was like in awe. Only, only your God could have done this thing. And, and he makes a proclamation throughout all the land for the God of the Hebrews to be worshipped. And, and of course, he promotes uh, these three men as well. When we're truly committed to God as, as, as people witness our stand for God and as they see God work in us, it's going to bring glory to his name. They're going to give praise to his name, just like Nebuchadnezzar gave praise to his name. How is the world going to know about the greatness of God without committed Christians who are willing to stand for him even in the fiery furnace and see what he will do? Folks, God is just waiting to display his glory when he finds somebody that's willing to get in the furnace. I'll say that again. God is just waiting to display his glory when he finds somebody that's willing to get into the furnace. He's looking for people who are totally committed, people whose purpose goes beyond their own abilities and their own comfort and their own happiness, but they are living fully for the glory and honor of God. He can and will use ordinary people to make an extraordinary impact on the world. The secret lies in being totally committed to the cause of Christ. We must be people who refuse to sell out at any cost, despite any pressure that there might be. And all those whom God has used greatly have had a fiery furnace in their lives. If you read the biographies of great men and women of God, you'll see again and again that they've had a fiery furnace experience in their life, a severe trial that they've gone through but stood faithful and God moved. You'll also see that the degree of their commitment to God is why God was able to use them to do great things even in and through the fiery furnace. It's not because they were smarter, that not because they were more talented, not because they were faster, not because they were better educated. It's just because they were more committed. They were more committed. William Carey, who was a missionary who really laid his life on the line, who was a missionary to China many years ago, and he said, expect great things from God, attempt great things for God. We need both, right? We need the faith to expect great things from God, but we also need the commitment to attempt great things for God. Nebuchadnezzar made an interesting statement in verse 28. He says, praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted in him. Wow, the faith of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego made an impact on this pagan king, Nebuchadnezzar, who said, nobody's going to be able to deliver you out of my hand. Nobody's going to be able to rescue you from the fiery furnace. 
they said, our God is able to save us. And wow, God showed up and showed off and King Nebuchadnezzar had to testify, praise be to your God because he rescued you. Hallelujah to the name of the Lord. God wants to lift up a testimony from our lives. God wants to glorify himself through us when we stand faithful, when we are willing at any cost to live for him, even if we have to go through a fiery furnace. God is going to do something awesome to bring glory to his name. As we close, ask yourself the question, what is your price? Have you committed yourself fully to follow the one who paid the ultimate price for you? What kind of faith do you have? May our faith be like that of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, committed to serving the Lord regardless of the cost. We must start tonight where these guys started by deciding that God is truly first in our lives and that we will follow him even in the small things and we will never sell out. We'll never sell out. We must decide now to stand for God and do what is right even in the small things so that standing in integrity becomes a habit of our life so that our life will be faithful to God. And we must commit that we will do what is right even in the face of testing so that our lives will bring glory and honor to him. Do you want to stand in integrity even in the fire? If that's your heart's desire, would you stand to your feet? Heavenly Father, we just thank you tonight for your word. We thank you because your word is able to instruct us in righteousness. It's able to inspire us, Lord God. It's able to teach us to live for you. Father, I pray tonight that we would receive this word with open hearts, that we would allow it to challenge us and to change us, Lord God, so that we can stand firmly and faithfully despite any pressure, despite what the cost might be, Lord God, that we would not waver, that we would not compromise, but that we would stand firm in our integrity integrity that our lives may be a testimony that brings glory and honor to you father let your word and your spirit continue to work in us to accomplish your goodwill and purpose in jesus name we pray amen amen god bless you we love you new life have a wonderful rest of your week and we'll see you on sunday thank you for joining us today if you were blessed by this message would you consider giving a gift to help support our ministry, you can text any amount to 954-516-1522. That's 954-516-1522. Thank you, and we hope you will join us again.